know, Ahaziah says, go and inquire of Baalzebub. This Hebrew name is actually Baalzebub. And it literally means Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. And it was probably an alteration of the original Canaanite spelling, which was Baal Zebul. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Ahaziah showed he was a true worshiper of the pagan god Baalzebub because he turned to this god in his time of trouble. This could suggest that Baalzebub was a god who warded off plagues that were brought on by flies. He was a local god of Ekron and probably was used at first to drive away flies. Afterwards, he became a respectful devil and was supposed to have great power and influence. In the New Testament, Beelzebub is a common name for Satan himself or the prince of devils. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. died, the king of Moab, seeing that Ahab was now dead and his son was nowhere near as powerful, at least in his thought. He decided not to pay tribute any longer. And so it became, uh, Moab did rebel after Ahab. And as we go through this chapter, you're going to find something interesting. It almost seems like a, a little out of place, this statement, because this statement is going to be developed later on in chapter 3. We're going to, we're going to hear more about it, but I, the, the writer, the Spirit of God, just wanted to make us aware that, oh, by the way, this is the, the scene in which all of this is occurring. And so we're going to see um, the, the battle of, of, of Israel versus Moab uh, later on in chapter 3. So now Ahaziah, uh, verse 2, fell through the lattice of his room in Samaria. Samaria, remember, being the capital city of the northern ten tribes. And he was injured, and so he sent messengers to them and said to them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this injury. So a lattice is really just a network of, uh, of something um, that usually you can see through. And many times it wasn't really thick. And so what probably happened is maybe he was leaning up against the lattice and maybe it wasn't as secure as it ought to be. But either way, Ahaziah falls through the lattice on the second story of his, of his house, palace. And he falls and he hurts himself. And he doesn't die immediately, but he is severely wounded so much so that he's bedridden. And so this wound that he incurred would ultimately be his demise. But like father, like son, does he call on God? Remember who Ahab was. He was one of the worst kings that Israel had ever seen. And remember his wife, Jezebel, who was a very evil woman. Ahab and Jezebel, the dynamic duo. 
And they have a son. They have, they have a number of sons, but Ahaziah is their son. And so, like father, like son, he calls not on Jehovah God, but he calls on Baal, the, the gods of his father and his mother. And let me ask you something, moms and dads. Do you think that your influence on your kids is important? Do you think that the things that you say, the things that you do are important? They are, and here's proof positive, because this young man grew up in a household where idols were worshipped. Demons were worshipped. And demons were controlling Jezebel and Ahab and Israel. Demons. So, did this young man learn anything from his mom and dad? Yes, he did. He learned plenty, but it didn't bring him closer to Jehovah God. It didn't bring him closer to Christ at all. It brought him further away. And, and so, you know, and this, this is true that, you know, your kids, they may not listen to what you say, but they will do what you do. Isn't it true? So if we say and do what we profess, profess they will likely follow suit. But if, we, if you say something, but you do not do, they will more likely not listen to what you said. Because we have to not only talk the talk, we need to walk the walk. See, I can talk all I want to my daughter, but unless she sees the reality of my relationship with Christ, it's going to go in, ear, in one ear and out the other. Because isn't it a vibrant faith that we have? Our faith in Christ, isn't it real? I mean, isn't it, didn't it change your life? And if it did, then it's still changing your life. Because if I'm still, if I'm one of Christ, then I'm going to let him do what he wants to do in me. And I'm going to let him have all of me. And if he's got all of me, then things around me should be changing. There should be some difference. There should be something happening in my life And yes, it's not always pleasant either. Because if you're walking the walk, you are not going to necessarily be encouraged. You're certainly not going to receive accolades from the world and even your family. And unfortunately, even in the church sometimes. Because the church is filled with lukewarm Christians. I'm not saying you necessarily, but the church in totality in America is lukewarm. As long as things are going good, we're good. But this man learned plenty. But even though there are no guarantees, there is a wonderful promise that the Lord gives us in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Remember, you know this. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Because see, when a child uh, has a foundation, especially a good foundation, has been taught good biblical values, there will be there in their consciences, and even though they may fumble a bit as they are growing, continue to pray and don't lose heart because God is still working, and he's going to work out that foundation. Because when they come into trouble and as they get older, they're going to rely back on their foundation. It's almost like they almost can't help it. They remember the days when their mother and their father read to them, and all of a sudden the truth of that comes to haunt them. But we will see, just like his father and mother, he too, this Ahaziah, would go down the same sinful path, just like his parents, and he would ultimately be destroyed. But notice what it says in verse 2 there. It says, you know, Ahaziah says, Go and inquire of Beelzebub, 
This Hebrew name is actually Baal-zebub, and it literally means Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. And it was probably an alteration of the original Canaanite spelling, which was Baal-zebul, which means Lord of the High Place. But I love how the Hebrews, they just change one word, and now it becomes no longer the Lord of the High Place, but now the Lord of the Flies. By just the changing of one character. But Beelzebub was a Philistine uh, deity. And he was even the one that, remember when Jesus, he was even accused of, of being empowered by Beelzebub. You might want to put a mark in your Bible, Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 through 30. Right there by Beelzebub, because this is, and I'll just read it to you, Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 through 30. It says in Matthew's gospel, Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, and he was blind and mute, and he healed him. And so at the blind and man, both began to, he both spoke and he saw, and all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? And notice what it says in verse 24. Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow, does he casts out demons or he does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. So they were accusing Jesus of being led by a demon when he was casting these demons out of people. But Jesus knew their hearts, and he said to them, Every kingdom divided itself against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And then he goes on and says, And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. So yes, Beelzebub, this prince of the demons, Notice in verse 3, back in our text, though, it says, But the angel of the Lord. Whenever you see the angel of the Lord, usually that is a, what we call a theophany or a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus Christ. It's literally Jesus, before he was incarnate through the Virgin Mary, he showed up in history way before he was incarnate at different times. And he's often known as the angel of the Lord. And we know that because as he, when he stood before Joshua, after, uh, right before the destruction of, of, of Jericho, that the angel of the Lord appeared to him, remember, with his sword drawn, and, and he bowed down to this, the angel of the Lord, and he received worship. The only angel that will receive worship, and that should receive worship, is, is, is the angel of the Lord, a pre-incarnate visitation of Christ. Satan wants to be worshipped. He'll gladly receive your worship. But we don't want to worship him, do we? (laughs) No, we want to worship the great King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The angel of the Lord appeared to Abraham in Genesis 19. The angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in in the burning bush in Exodus 3. The angel of the Lord spoke to Gideon in Judges chapter 6. Even Samson's father and mother in Judges 13, the angel of the Lord spoke to them. And so now this angel of the Lord, which is very likely Jesus pre-incarnate, He comes and the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Arise and go meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, 
Is it because there is no God in Israel that you're going to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Am I, am I not able to heal you, Ahaziah? Sure, go to your false gods, but I'm the only one who has control over your life and your death. Your life is hanging in the balance, and you're going to go and speak and inquire of a demon? Okay. You can do that. If you like. If you choose. Notice God doesn't make anybody do anything. He gives them, there's a, it's all by your own volition, right? You're not forced to do anything. So he chooses to go. He wants to hear from Beelzebub. See, God is a jealous God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, you might want to write this down in your Bibles right next to this verse. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to look at the first 15 verses here. But God is a jealous God because he loves you. He doesn't want you to uh, be harmed. He loves you. He wants to see you be blessed. It says, Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. So God is giving this uh, to the children of Israel before they cross the Jordan into the promised land. Notice he says, That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all of his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, notice, you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. And he goes on in verse 7 of that, and he says, You shall teach them diligently to your children all these things. You shall talk of them when you sit down and when you walk by the the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And this is where Ahab, you understand, failed with his son Ahaziah. And this is where also many of us fail today too. Because we don't talk to our children about the Lord. Many have failed in that they no longer talk about the Lord at all. They don't talk about his word. They don't get into the word. And, and, and even what God has done in your lives, parents, have you shared that with your children? And then do we wonder why our kids don't follow the Lord? Talk to them about the Lord. Are they going to like it? Is it going to be as exciting as Xbox? No. But take some time and say, you know what? We're just going to spend a half hour and we're just going to get into a little bit. We're going to spend 45, whatever it is, whatever time, take some time and, and, and develop a habit of it. Tell them and be real with them. Believe me, the Bible is very real, but then you can back it up with your own experience. You can say, I can tell you that this is true because this is what God did in my life. And can I tell you what God did in my life? Back in 1972, God did this. Or yesterday, God did this. Or last week, God did this. Your children, your grandchildren, they need to hear that. Otherwise, this is just some book that's just dusty and old and needs to be replaced with you know, the new world order. It needs to be replaced by the world economic, you know, the, the WEF. But this is the part of discipleship. It is discipleship. We tell them the great things God has done. We read the Bible to them. We show them how practically to walk in the Spirit every day. Down in verse 13 of Deuteronomy 6, it says this, You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him, and you shall take oaths in his name. And you shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. For the Lord your God, here it is, is a jealous God among you. And see, God is jealous, not in an insecure way, but in a protective way over the capstone of his creation, which is you and I. 
He's jealous for you. Not like a, you know, when you think of it, um, he's, not, he's not insecure. When a man is jealous over his wife speaking to another man, it's usually because there's an insecurity either in the man within himself or within the relationship with his wife. There's something about her. Maybe she flirts a little too much, and so he's, he's not really comfortable. He's not secure in their marriage. And, and, and in his own heart, he might not be secure. So a man gets jealous because he is insecure. But this is not the kind of jealousy that God has. He's nothing but a loving Heavenly Father. He's the good shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. And he knows alone what's best for us. And that's why he's jealous over you, because he knows what sin will do to you. He knows what is good and what is bad. And that's why he tells us in advance in his word, so that we might listen and that we might obey and that there, there are blessings for obedience and there's also consequences for disobedience. Has anybody recognized that there's a consequences for disobedience? If I go 55 down Penfield Road or on, on Five Mile Line and it's 35, if I get pulled over, I'm going to get a big, pretty big ticket. That's the consequence of my sin. But God will often interrupt us. He'll often interrupt us. As he is doing to Ahaziah, he's interrupting his life. And he's bringing Elijah in and saying, Ahaziah, I'm warning you. I'm warning you. God did the same thing with Balaam. Remember when Balaam was, was going to uh, curse the, the children of Israel and he's going on his way and God interrupts and the, only the donkey can see him. Balaam is totally blind. He can't see the, don- or, you know, the angel of the Lord in front of the donkey. And finally the donkey just crushes his foot up next to a wall. And then the strangest thing happens. He yells at the donkey, and the donkey replies, and he still carries on the conversation. I wonder how many seconds it was as he's speaking to the donkey, thinking, he shouldn't be speaking at all. <laughs> how many of you have heard a donkey or an animal talking to you? Not too many. But this is why God sent prophets to Israel and to Judah to warn them about their rebellion and what it was going to cost them. God did that to, uh, to Israel when he, he used Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 29, it says this, For thus says the Lord, and, and this is God warning Judah, the southern two tribes, he says, After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts, here it is, I love this, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart, I will be found of you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity, I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. And see, that is exactly what, why God is going to challenge Ahaziah through the prophet Elijah. He's warning him, just like he did with Israel, with Judah. It's coming, it's coming. All right, what are you going to do? So notice verse 4, Now therefore, thus says the Lord, you shall not come down from your bed. So now the hammer drops on Ahaziah, and notice that God does not give Ahaziah an opportunity to change his mind. 
The hammer drops immediately. God doesn't waver in what he's going to do. And for many, this is why they don't come to the Lord. This is why many don't read his word, because they read this passage like this. They determine without further inquiry that God is cruel and unjust. People do it all the time. They read a passage like this. They randomly open up an unbeliever and they read it. I go, oh, that, that can't be, you know, God's mean. He's cruel and unjust. Hey, but guess what? <laughs> if you take the time to read the entire Bible, you'll find that the counsel of God in the entire Bible is what you really need. And then you will understand why God does what he does. And if you peel that onion a little bit more and do a little bit more investigating, you will find that God was, um, was actually just in doing what he was doing. Had they taken the whole Bible into account, they would understand the heart of God and the grace that he had shown to Ahab and the grace that God was willing to show to Ahaziah, his son. Yes, God was willing, but Ahaziah was not willing. I believe that if Ahaziah had called out to the Lord as soon as he fell off out of that lattice and was mortally wounded, and as he lay there in pain, if he cried out to God, I believe that God would have healed this man. But instead, they take him up to his bed and he calls on the false demons, the false gods. And God says, because you did that, you're not going to recover. You're going to die. Well, thank you very much. (laughs) How would you like to hear that message? Do you think God wasted his words? Do you think God was just? Ahaziah wasn't seeking God, and so he was left to his impotent gods to help him, and they didn't help him. So why does God drop the hammer like this on Ahaziah? One possibility, I certainly don't know the mind of God such that I could tell you why that happened, but one possibility is that Ahaziah, as a young man, he was a young man while God God was dealing with his father Ahab. He watched how God dealt with his father. He watched how Elijah came and spoke to his father and the things that were prophesied against his father and the grace also that God showed Ahab. If you listen to the last couple messages on this chat, on this, on, 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 uh, first Kings, God was very gracious at times with Ahab, giving him an opportunity. But now his son, he's watching all these things. Now he's accountable for what he saw his father go through. But only God knows the reason and the purpose of these things. But he was certainly held accountable because he saw, he experienced it with his father and with his mother. But unfortunately, it made no lasting effect on him. He died a pagan and a sinner, just like his father. But it was his own fault. It wasn't God's fault. God doesn't send anyone to hell. You choose that ticket yourself. We don't like to think like that, but that's the truth. And God's heart is for you to choose him. Is it so bad to believe in Christ? Is there something about him that that you really hate? Why would you hate someone who saw you in your sin and, and actually allowed himself to pay the price for your sin so that you wouldn't have to go to eternal damnation. How could anyone hate somebody like that? I'll tell you why people hate him, because you have to give up your old sin nature. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.